Welcome to Commons and Chronicles, the podcast where we talk about all the best creative commons and reusable open game license content. If you need resources for your creative writing, game design, or you just love lore, Commons and Chronicles is for you. Hi everyone, this is Klaatu, and on this episode I want to talk more about dragons, as we have been in the past couple of episodes. But, of course, as in the the most recent episode, I'll I'll be talking about a third-party dragon in this one. So we've talked about the chromatics already, the red, the green, the white, and the uh, black and blue, and all all of those. And I I feel like they're they're distinct, that they're certainly, they have their own, they each have their own... A specific kind of character to them, but sometimes one of the 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 complaints I, or, or the fears about a dragon, or the concerns rather, dragon fears is another thing. It's very real. It's mechanical, uh, especially if you're playing Dragonlance. But one of those things, uh, the concerns about dragons is that they are essentially the same creature with a they're the same genus right with a different fa- family or same family with a different genus I, I don't I'm not a scientist I don't know the the correct um, cascading uh, the the lineage of, of those terms but the the, the 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 concern there would be that yes it's a dragon and and maybe it lives in a swamp or maybe it lives in a mountain but it's still like a dragon it's got a breath attack it's got a wing attack it's got a tail attack it's got a claw attack it's you know, it's it's all the same kind of sort of thing that you can sort of memorize after a while, and you know what? For the first five, ten dragons that a that a, that a player might encounter, which gr- granted you don't encounter dragons all that often realistically, so that that'll last you for a while. But after a while, a couple of years of playing consistently it does start to become the same creature, and, and and you don't care anymore. It's like, okay, it's a red dragon, it's a green dragon, it's a dragon. And so you lose some of that that mystique, because it's just a dragon. And, and I think that is one of the reasons that you don't find that many dragons in adventures. I mean, not only do they, they have to be reserved for being the great and terrible ultimate foe, like there is the you know we have to maintain the mystique of the dragon or else the dungeon and the dragon just it becomes it becomes less that it's just dungeons and just plain old dragons it's not a big deal anymore it's got to have that mystique so that, that that's one one argument for for dragons not really needing to be all that different because after all you're only going to see them once in a while and and you're only really going to face them head on when you're way way upper level. And as many people have pointed out, upper level play is is not really that common. It's something that 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 a lot of times you just never get to with a character. You you get that character up to seventh or ninth or or tenth or thirteenth level at the most, and and then you've moved on to a different campaign and you're back to to one or you're back to four or whatever you start at. So. A unique dragon is not an urgent, urgent, pressing matter, I don't think. I think that that's something that, unless you're just playing games where you're you're encountering a dragon every other month, uh, you, you don't really need to be that concerned about 
very unique dragons in order to to surprise your players because at, at, at for most of the the life of most players or at least the, the most of the early life of, of a player any dragon is is exciting and any dragon is unique and the fact that this green one does a little something a little bit different than the red one is really surprising and really really something that they have to contend with and, and figure out but when your players are starting to just throw on fire resistance in anticipation because they know that a red dragon's been spotted and they they just know that well that's what we need let's just do that and then we'll go in and we'll we'll, we'll, we'll do these couple of tricks and then we'll, we'll get rid of the dragon then okay maybe it start, start it's time to start mixing it up a little bit one of the ways that we've already discussed was the uh the void dragon in the previous episode we, we spoke about those and that's a really fun fun way to to mix things up but there are other kinds of dragons as well that are worth talking about and and as i as i mused in the previous episode it's kind of funny that i i'm choosing apparently dragons that are not necessarily all that evil and and one of the the things that i had had said about not covering the metallic dragons was that i just feel like players aren't going to come up against metallic dragons so why talk about them they're they're going to be in pcs that maybe help or guide or advise players but they're not going to be probably npcs or, or, or monsters really they're not going to be things that the, that players are fighting unless you've got a, a sort of a topsy-turvy world and and yet now i'm covering third-party dragons who who by their own specs are not actually evil and that's okay uh, because sometimes neutral you know i mean metallic i think you there there's a certain mystique about metallic dragons where well any anyone who knows anything about dungeons and dragons is going to know that the metallic dragons are good and so it would be quite shocking if there was some metallic dragon dra dragon lying in wait to manipulate players whereas a non-metallic dragon that's also not a chromatic dragon lying in wait and manipulating players would not be that out of place even if they are a neutral dragon as is the case with the dungeon dragon that is what it is called i think it's a brilliant name it's one of those names that is so brilliant probably that you kind of have to wonder how it took so long to to think of it and the people who thought of it is frog god games in their excellent book the tome of horrors Tome of Horrors is a 5th edition monster manual, or uh, bestiary, I guess I should say. It's a Tome of Horrors, it's got a lot of scary monsters in it, including the Dungeon Dragon, which, again, is not evil, it's actually a neutral dragon. Its description, it's, it's, it's uh, elevator pitch here. This dragon has a long serpentine neck, small wings, and glistening scales. Two small horns dominate its triangular head, its body is gray in color, with scales tipped in flecks of gold and green. Its eyes are rounded and gray. The dungeon dragon is a curious creature that gets amusement by watching other beings engaged in life and death struggles. To this end, the dungeon dragon sets up a labyrinthine lair, setting traps and populating it with monsters. 
Younger dungeon dragons tend to lair in natural caverns to ease the burden of construction, but older and more experienced ones can construct their own sprawling subterranean complexes, even to the point of hiring on dwarf work gangs and swearing them to secrecy. So you're hearing this correct, dear listener. You are hearing that the dungeon dragon is a dragon who just gets its kicks by designing dungeons. Only they don't design it on graph paper like you and I might. They actually commission people, or or they, they find a cave system that can serve as a dungeon for them, and they, they put monsters into it, and they put treasures into it, and then they they hope that people wander by. It's like a little, uh, sort of a, a mousetrap sort of situation, you know? It's, it's all set up, ready to go, and let's watch as people struggle to survive while going through the, the dungeon. It's just such a clever idea. It is It is everything that one needs, because it is it is justification for the dungeon, which, of course, people... It, it, it's never-ending fun for Dungeons & Dragons players to muse over why a thing exists, why, why a dungeon with lots of death traps in it. Like, why would that be a thing? How are the guards of the dungeon getting in and out of the dungeon? Or... Why is it called the dungeon if it's actually a crypt? Why do we say, oh, you're going dungeon delving, and then we end up in a crypt of a long-dead warrior? But even then, like, if it's a crypt, why why is there a, a mimic? Why is there a gelatinous cube? What What are all these things? Well, with a dungeon dragon, these things are placed there specifically for you, the player, to battle. That's the point. So it's, it's very, very clever. And it's kind of perfectly self-serving it is it 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 ensures that there's rationale story-based rationale for for anything that happens in the game it's because the dungeon dragon wanted it to be that much more entertaining legendary actions for a dungeon dragon Uh, they have three legendary actions one legendary action option can be used at a time and only at the end of another creature's turn. The dragon regains spent legendary actions at the start of its turn. So they can do a detect. The dragon makes a wisdom perception check. They can do a tail attack. That's pretty standard stuff. Or they can do a wing attack, and that costs two actions. And that's the whole... The dragon beats its wings, creatures within 15 feet have to do a dex check, DC 23, or else take 15, that's 2d6 plus 8 bludgeoning damage, and be knocked prone. The dungeon can fly up to half its flying speed um, after flapping its wings. It also has some lair actions. So it has, um, let's see, on initiative count 20, losing initiative ties, The dragon takes a lair action to cause one of the following effects. The dragon can't use the same effect two rounds in a row. There is illusory terrain. The dungeon dragon uses illusions to subtly manipulate creatures within its lair, as if it had cast the hallucinatory terrain, project image, or mirage arcane spell. Targeting any location within its lair is is fair game as long as it can see it can also change the maze so the dragon the dungeon dragon manipulates the stone of the labyrinth as if it had cast the stone shape spell 
targeting any location that it can see in its within its lair. And then stone walls. Um, once again, as if though casting a wall of stone spell, it can target any location in its lair that it can see to um, to create stone walls. Put up a wall where there wasn't one before, and so on. There are some regional effects that a dungeon dragon has on its on its surroundings, meaning that if you are in an area, in a region, where there's a dungeon dragon around, then you might notice that there are minotaurs around, because minotaurs are strangely drawn to the area surrounding a dungeon dragon's lair, which, of course, makes sense, because minotaurs are traditionally associated with mazes, labyrinths, and so for them to sort of be drawn almost supernaturally to this location of 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 a masterfully created maze, it, it totally makes sense. There's also weather alteration. Once per day, the dungeon dragon can alter the weather in a six-mile radius centered on its lair. If the dungeon dragon dies, then these effects fade over the course of 1d10 days. So let's talk about the specs of a, a typical adult dungeon dragon. There are specs in the book provided for young, adult, and uh, ancient. And probably even a wormling, actually, I think. Yes, even a wormling. So you get the whole spectrum, but we're just going to center on the adult. So there's uh, an adult dungeon dragon. It's a huge dragon, and it is neutral aligned. Armor class is 18. Hit points is 364. That's 27 D12s plus 189. Speed is 40 foot. Fly is 80 foot. Strength, 27. So that's a plus 8. Dex is 10. So nothing. Uh, con is 25. So that's a plus 7. Intelligence is 16 plus 3. Wisdom is 17. So that's a plus 3. And then a charisma is 21, plus, uh, which is a plus 5. Saving throws, we just went over that. Skills, uh, they have Arcana plus 8, History plus 8, Insight plus 8, Investigation plus 13, Perception plus 13, that's important, and Survival plus 8. It has Blind Sight, it has Dark Vision, it has a passive perception of 23, because 13 plus 10. Uh, it knows all languages, apparently, and it is a challenge rating of 16. Special equipment. The dragon is attuned to a crystal ball, which is hidden somewhere within its lair. If a dungeon dragon loses its crystal ball, it can create a new one over the course of 10 days. This obviously makes total sense, because the dungeon dragon needs to be able to see things, right? The, the, the whole story here is that it created a, a, dragon, a, a dungeon that it can... So, so that it can observe creatures moving through it in life and death, death struggles. It wouldn't be able to do that reasonably without a crystal ball, without you know heavy amounts of scrying happening. Uh, it also has innate spell casting, which makes sense because of all its abilities um, that it has with uh, the wall of stone and the stone shape and, and so on. But specifically, at-will abilities are alarm, Arcane Lock, Detect Magic, Detect Thoughts, Find Traps, Glyph of Warding, Identify, Knock, Scrying, Stone Shape, and Wall of Stone. 
Three per day, it can do Dispel Magic, Hallucinatory Terrain, Locate Creature, Locate Object, and Project Image. So all of this is all about exactly what it's what it does, what what the the story basis of of the creature and and of the dungeon. Like all of its abilities are centered around knowing where things are within this labyrinth, knowing how to get around the labyrinth itself, being able to manipulate the form of the labyrinth. There's there's really nothing extraneous here. It's it's a really really nicely designed. Uh, creature, I think, because it's got, like, for its attacks, I mean, there, there's a couple more things that it has, uh, which I'll skip over, I'll, I'll leave for you to discover upon buying the book, which, by the way, is an excellent book, um, but but look, just looking at its actions, it's got multi-attack, that's great, so it's got the frightful presence, that's typical, it's got a bite, it's got a claw, it's got a tail, it's got the frightful um, uh, presence, and then its breath attack is confusion breath. Uh, it, exhales, it exhales gas in a 60-foot cone that spreads around corners. Each creature must succeed a DC-20 con saving throw. On failure, they're confused for one minute. So it's, it, you know, even the breath attack, I wouldn't say is particularly lethal. Uh, certainly it's not fire, it's not acid, it's not electricity, it's, it's confusion, which can be can be problematic, but it's it's not fire, right? It's not acid, it's not electricity. It's confusion. So not only does that play into the story of of what this dragon is all about, but it also it 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 makes it makes this dragon a little bit more tolerable. It's something that people can probably reasonably take on at at a, an appropriate level. Granted, you wouldn't be able to take it on at, at second level or third level or sixth level, but you could take it on eventually, I think. And and it wouldn't be that much of a that big of a deal. You this this is this is doable. And that's that's the Dungeon Dragon. It I just I really appreciate its focus, the the design focus on on this creature. It is such a powerfully story-driven creature, which. I mean, I don't mind a non-story-driven creature. I'm I'm fine with mechanical creatures that make no sense in the ecology, no sense in the world, and are are obviously just things to to mix up the game. I'm happy with those just as well as with something that is steeped in story motivation. And this is one of those. This is one of the ones that is just it's teeming with with a story. It it writes itself. Now. Granted, you, you might still have to develop the dungeon around it, or you might be able to just grab any dungeon from drive through RPG or one-page dungeon or whatever, and just draw, and just decide that okay, at the end of that dungeon, they're gonna find there there'll be a secret door, and if they find that secret door, then they'll find the dragon's lair where he you know they'll draw the curtain from behind you know they'll, they'll notice the man behind the curtain, and the man won't be a man, it'll be a dragon, and it'll be a, specifically a dungeon dragon, and obviously. The name itself is perfect. I mean, Dungeon Dragon. It's just embarrassingly perfect. It's it's it is one of those that 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 you you, you kind of think that Wizards of the Coast should have already had. Heck, TSR should have had this Dungeon Dragon ages ago because it is such an obvious sort of nod to the title of the game. But at the same time, you don't really think of those things. Dungeon Dragon. I don't know. You don't. Who who would have thought? Well, apparently Frog God Games would have thought, and they did, 
and it's really good, and it's in Tome of Horrors, available from Frog God Games' website. I'll put a link in the in the show notes. I highly recommend it. Hopefully this was informative, gives you some ideas. Thanks a lot. Talk to you next time. That's it for this week's episode. Thank you very much for listening. My name is Klaatu. You can reach me uh, via email at klaatu at member.fsf.org. You can also usually catch me in IRC as not Klaatu. I'm on the Freenode Network. Thank you very much for listening, and I'll talk to you next time.